there and welcome to The C Word with me, Beck Hughes. I'm a brand consultant, graphic designer, business coach for creatives and creative coach for businesses. Here, we'll talk about creative with a capital C. Excuse ums, ahs, pauses and playfulness. This podcast is recorded with passion and purpose and we're not here to worry about the polish. This is where you'll find brand, design, business and blue sky chats. Along with my guests, I'll share tips, advice and inspiration for your creative business with plenty of laughs along the way. We'll join the dots between creative and business because when the two meet, that's where the growth, the good times and the magic happen. Let's go. Welcome, welcome to episode five of the C Word podcast with me, Beck Hughes. It's great to have you here. If you've listened before, I'm so pleased to welcome you back. And if you're a newbie around here, it's amazing to have you. I hope you get some great takeaways and a few smiles over the next 30 minutes or so. Now, I'm spiraling today because I'm doing a brand association of my own about a brand association in order to share some tips on what makes for a powerful brand association. (laughs) Now, bear with me. I know that sounds like an absolute load of waffle, but I've just finished part one of Stranger Things season four. I loved it. I'm a tiny bit obsessed. It definitely had me on the edge of my seat. But as a brand consultant, I couldn't also help admiring something else about this season. And that was the absolutely genius choice of the Kate Bush track running up that hill as the soundtrack for the series. First of all, I do want to promise that there are absolutely no spoilers about Stranger Things in this episode. What I want to talk about is what we can learn about brand association from the match made in heaven that is Stranger Things and Kate Bush. And when I started to break it down and think about what made this such a great pairing, how did they pull this off so well? There were four things that came up. The first thing was, it magnifies the message. Secondly, it was a great brand fit. Thirdly, it didn't play it safe. It did something a little bit off the wall. And fourthly, there's a compelling backstory. There's a journey of discovery behind the initial facade, if you like, of the brand association. Oh, there is so much to talk about and dig into. So whether you're a Stranger Things fan or a Kate Bush fan or a fan of both or neither, that's not what this episode is about. The big takeout is how you can intentionally and consciously use brand association to enhance and elevate your brand and also your audience's experience when they choose to engage with you. So terrible pun alert, it's time to jump into the upside down and get into the episode. I've got a question for you. Have you been watching season four of Stranger Things? 
because I confess I'm completely addicted. So much so that this week I am dedicating this episode of the podcast to Stranger Things. It combines quite a few of my favourite things. And that is fantasy, there's a good dose of sci-fi, great soundtrack, and there's a bit, well, actually there's a lot of 80s nostalgia. But apart from reminding me about how popular and strangely awesome Stonewashed Denim was, Stranger Things has also highlighted some lessons in the brand department. More specifically, Stranger Things and its association with Kate Bush's 80s hit, Running Up That Hill. Now, this pairing is an absolute stroke of genius. And there's been a lot of coverage in the media about it. A lot of content, a lot of blogs have been written about how the association with that particular track of Kate Bush has now catapulted her back up the music charts. But I want to take the perspective on what that has to teach us about brand association. Whoever dreamed that up in the breakout room over coffee and donuts is going to be dining out on that for a very long time to come. Now, first of all, I promise no spoilers. This is a take on Stranger Things that is all about brand and how you use a particular brand tool in your business because it's a brand association masterclass. And I think there are some really valuable lessons that we can take from it. So today I wanted to break that down, understand what some of those lessons are, share my thoughts on why I think that team or team member just completely nailed the brief and look at what we as business owners and creatives can learn from it in terms of harnessing the power of brand association ourselves. Now, brand association is one of the most powerful ways to elevate your brand perception and therefore your business. And you've only got to ask Kate Bush about that. But before I go into that anymore, I just want to have a quick chat about what brand association actually is. So a brand association is a connection that someone makes between your brand and something or someone else. Now, the obvious version of brand association is a partnership or an affiliation with another brand specifically. So you choose to align yourself through a conscious agreement with another brand. However, it can be more subtle than that. So it can be a conscious or even an unconscious association that you might make with a concept or an image or even a sound or an emotion, an experience, a person, an interest or even an action that becomes associated with your brand in your audience's mind or in the mind of people who have connection with and consume your brand. Now, the ideal outcome of that association is that it has a positive impact on your audience, that it helps them better understand your brand and differentiate you from your competition. It should 
look to encourage them to make maybe a stronger emotional connection with you, to formulate a positive opinion about what you represent, and ultimately to form a meaningful relationship with you. So making good associations between your brand and other things, not just other brands, this could be any number of things, is a really powerful thing to do. Because the right association can say something about your brand beliefs, your values, what your point of view is, your brand personality, or the impact that potentially you want to have in the world. And equally, the wrong association can say some negative things about all of that. So the right brand association is very lucrative. I do want to precursor this by saying that Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush from her Hands of Love album, which was actually released in 1985, which makes me sound incredibly old, it is one of my all-time favourite tracks. And to be honest, Kate Bush is one of my all-time favourite artists. I don't know if you've seen her, you should look it up. Maybe I'll even find the link and put it in the show notes. But there's some footage from about 1980 of her being interviewed by Delia Smith. Now, if you don't know who Delia Smith is, she's like the Fanny Craddock of the UK. She taught us all to cook in the 80s. And she's interviewing Kate Bush about her vegetarian recipe for Waldorf salad, which is another 80s classic. And it's just amazing like this very interesting alternative esoteric person she's also incredibly humble and gentle and engaging is on this show talking about cooking it's just so weird and so 80s and so brilliant and it just really says a lot about who Kate Bush is you don't actually hear her being interviewed very often but this isn't really the point Well, actually, it kind of is the point, because for the past probably 30 years, Kate Bush hasn't exactly been at the top of the charts. In fact, she's actually been something of a recluse. Now, that's not to say she doesn't have a die-hard following of fans who adore her. You've only got to look at there is a community... I know they're in Sydney, maybe they're all over the world, that get together once a year and they all dress up in particular outfits and celebrate Kate Bush. But the young bucks haven't exactly been falling over themselves to listen to that Hands of Love album released back in 1985. Until now. Enter Stranger Things. Now, in contrast... Again, no spoilers, but I think most of you are probably familiar with the Stranger Things phenomenon, even if you haven't watched it. But if you're not, it's kind of the Goonies meets Ghostbusters meets Nightmare on Elm Street, which makes it sound brilliant and terrible at the same time, perhaps, but it is brilliant. And the advent of Stranger Things is a bit of a chicken and egg situation because I don't think anyone's quite sure what came first. Was it the late 80s or the 80s revival that's been happening now in the late 2000s? Or did the 80s love note that we now call Stranger Things 
really kick off that 80s renaissance. Because the show itself does have cult status. It's sort of what all the cool kids are watching, and even if the responsible adult in the house won't let them watch it, they're pretending they're watching it. They're picking, they're getting little snippets from YouTube and what they hear their parents and their teenage brothers and sisters saying and telling everyone else in the school playground that they've been watching Stranger Things too. So, moving swiftly to the point, in season four, which is what we're watching now, specifically the first episode, we see one of the main characters, Max, walking down this 80s-tastic high school hall listening to music on her Walkman and the track that she's listening to is Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. Now to cut a long story short, that scene and subsequent pivotal moments in the season, again, no spoilers, that scene has catapulted Kate Bush and her 80s whimsical classic I would say it's a classic, up the mainstream charts, it's all over Spotify, it's all over iTunes, it's really put it in the spotlight. And that scene and lots of other scenes that have involved that track have really captured people's imaginations. And it has seen lots of people that probably hadn't even heard of Kate Bush go out and investigate that song and what it's all about. So I wanted to dive into why that brand association in particular has had such a resounding impact. And there are a couple of ways that I see it and think that we can learn a bit more about the concept of successful brand association as a result. So the first thing is that I think that particular track, so Running Up That Hill, really has magnified the core message that the Stranger Things writers wanted to communicate in season four. So whether by luck or judgment, this was without question a genius pick by the Stranger Things production team. You've got to take your hat off to them. I kind of imagine the team all getting together We're having a brainstorm, everybody in the breakout room in 20 minutes. We really need to nail this hero track for season four of Stranger Things. And they run through the list of must-haves. Well, it's got to be something that embodies the 80s. It's not too obvious or mainstream. Maybe it has an underlying dark theme. It has to be catchy, but moody. And maybe linked to an enigmatic, multi-dimensional, quirky character. Basically, they're after the musical equivalent of Stranger Things season four. (laughs) And then someone pulls out, some old person over the age of 40, someone like me, pulls out their iPod or something equally archaic and starts scrolling through their playlists. And they sheepishly hit play on a track and running up that hill starts to play. And everyone stops And apart from the awkward moment when someone asks who the artist is, there are just cheers, fist pumps and high fives because somebody, thankfully, understood the brief and they picked it. And I think the icing on the cake here is 
the lyrics of the track really do tell the story. So this is what I'm talking about. They have magnified the core message that this season wanted to communicate. So part of the lyrics, and I won't sing it because nobody needs to hear that, but part of the lyric is, if I only could, I'd make a deal with God and I'd get him to swap our places. Be running up that road, be running up that hill, be running up that building. And it's genius. I can't, I get like goosebumps when I say that. It's about broken, destructive relationships, maybe damaged, slightly traumatized people. There's sacrifice, there's guilt. So without giving anything away, it's pretty much on the money. So a powerful brand association should help to reinforce your values, your beliefs, perspectives, and or the message that you want to communicate as a brand. It should be a shorthand for what you want to say to your audience. The second thing about this particularly genius soundtrack choice is that it's just perfect brand alignment. I mean, when you think about it, particularly if you know both the program and the track, it couldn't be a better fit. Both of those brands, and I say that in inverted commas, they are brands. Kate Bush is a brand. Stranger Things is a brand. And they both represent everything retro and quirky that we love about the 80s. Whether we were there or we're now enjoying the resurgence of everything that is 80s, it does connect us very clearly to, the, to that era. And Kate Bush couldn't be more 80s. She's more 80s than the DeLorean surrounded by an impromptu dance-off on the streets of New York with the cast of fame flanked by Michael Jackson and a pack of zombies while everyone else watches on eating Pop-Tarts. She's flipping 80s. And she's also quite unusual. She's unafraid to zig when everyone else is zagging. And she's almost endearingly alternative. Again, you've only got to watch the interview with Julia Smith to establish that. And all of those things make her much like the characters in Stranger Things as well as the show itself. So there's this logical fit, even though the two things were created well over three decades apart. And there's this love-in that is mutual. So while Kate Bush's track was the perfect choice for Stranger Things and has added new depth and edginess to that franchise, arguably, the Stranger Things association has also done absolute wonders for Kate Bush too. And might I say, she is the picture of humble gratitude as well. She has acknowledged it and she's shared on her own social media and website about it which is so interesting and so endearing in itself. So getting that perfect alignment where there's this win-win situation for both and both complement each other is a really important ingredient in a successful brand association. The third thing is, and this is one of my favourite things in everything brand, business and life, quite frankly, 
And that is don't just play it safe. You could be forgiven for thinking that the hype and the success has probably taken Kate Bush by surprise just as much, if not more, than everyone else. So whilst in hindsight, it may seem like an obvious choice, as much as it was a stroke of genius, before it did prove to be a spectacularly amazing call of epic proportions, on paper you might say it's a slightly off-the-wall choice. And that's the thing with brand association. Don't go vanilla with it. Make a statement. The point of a brand association is that it has impact. It should be memorable and it should get people talking and thinking. And if you play it safe, well, maybe you'll get a little ripple down at number 300 on the iTunes chart at best. But no, running up that hill has peaked at like number eight on both the formal UK singles chart and on the Billboard Hot 100, as well as many other charts. And it's right up there on iTunes and Spotify and everything else. It's created a wave, not a ripple. Now, they could have gone with any number of other more suitable choices, something like Tainted Love by Soft Cell or Sweet Dreams by The Arrhythmics, Moody, interesting, dark, lyric songs, or the embodiment of confusion and disorientation, You Spin Me Right Round by, and this is no joke, Dead or Alive, that's the band. I mean, come on. All of these are 80s anthems that fit the bill perfectly. But no. The quirkiness and the left of centeredness of it is what makes it so much more of a deliciously clever choice. They didn't play it safe and choose something arguably obvious or really well known. They chose something that had an undertow and a bit of a cult status, which made it something that then people could go and discover. And on that note, that note of discovery, that brings me to the fourth point. So we've established that this particular track completely nailed the mood, it was spot on. But it's not just surface deep, it's not just the fact that it's catchy and the lyric talks to the message of this particular season. The moment every smartphone-wielding Netflix fan born after about 1990 took to Google, they were hooked. Of course they were, because Kate Bush is an elusive, reclusive, magnetic figure. And what I mean by that is Kate Bush... She represents the kind of upside down you actually want to get trapped in. (laughs) And you'll know what I mean if you watch the show. When you start to dig around, there is so much about her that is cult-like in a good way. She's the vegetarian, original indie pop queen that sang about Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights. It doesn't get any more alternative or intriguing than that. So some depth and meaning to the brand association that adds value on a deeper, more longer lasting and more compelling level is where the gold is at. So not just 
going for a brand association that is very obvious and ticks a lot of boxes on the surface, but something that's going to offer a level of interest and intrigue. And when your audience start to dig deeper into that thing or person or concept that you've associated with, they're going to find much more to inspire their imaginations. So what does all this mean for you in particular and the way that you can use brand association for your business? Now, the short answer is brand association is obviously a very good thing. I hope that that has come across in this episode, but you just need to make sure that it's a good fit. So when you're thinking about associating your brand with something or someone else, There are a few questions that you might ask yourself. Firstly, will it elevate my brand in a positive way? I think it's really worth drilling into that. That might sound like an obvious question, but I think it's really worth weighing up the risks of positive versus potential negative. Secondly, will it say something positive about my brand and how I want to be perceived? So are there values and beliefs and messages that are important to me that this association will reinforce and will support and will add more information to? Thirdly, will it add to my story and the clarity of my message? If there's something I'm trying to say to my audience, if there's something I want them to know about me and my personality or my story or the transformation I create for them, will this brand association add further clarity to that? The next question, vitally important, does it align with my values and what's important to me? If it conflicts in any way, if it doesn't feel comfortable, then it's probably not the right association to make. The next question is, is it memorable and interesting? Will it have cut through or is it just a bit of a safe vanilla choice that might cause a little bit of a ripple but isn't really going to get people interested in talking and thinking differently perhaps about your brand or adding some depth and some layers to your brand which leads me to the final question which is does it have depth and does it add greater meaning to you does it take you from surface level superficial brand into having a more multi-dimensional personality as a brand. Now, in doing this, it's also important to bear in mind with brand association, and I think I said it at the start, brand association can be conscious, and hopefully in nearly every situation, it is a conscious choice for you. But there are times when you might unconsciously associate your brand with another. It might simply be from commenting on a post to appearing on the same panel at an event, to sharing a similar look and feel. And those unconscious associations are also something to try and be more aware of. Look out for them and think about how you both manage and leverage them to either mitigate any negative outcomes or also to make the best of them, build on them, get the positives from them. So my final comment today is that brand association is a really powerful tool in your brand toolbox, but it's one I think to be used wisely. It can be hugely beneficial, 
but it can also see you crash and burn, if you like, in spectacular fashion. So always be quite self-conscious about some of those connections you make through your brand. So to recap, when you look for a powerful brand association that's going to help to elevate your brand and enhance and clarify your message, what you're looking for is something that's going to magnify what it is that you want to say. So it's going to bring additional clarity. Secondly, that it does have that great fit and that perfect alignment. Thirdly, don't just play it safe. Think about how you might use that brand association to cause some chatter and some intrigue and get some cut through. And finally, think about what depth it has. What's the backstory with that brand association that might get your audience digging deeper and sitting up and wanting to find out more? Because it's that kind of engagement that builds stronger and deeper relationships. So thanks for listening today. I hope you go on to have a beautiful day, whatever it is you're doing. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know because it's always so great to get feedback and I look forward to chatting to you again next time. Cheerio. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at beckhughesbranding. Now, if you're a creative and you'd like to up your business game, check out how we can work together in one of two ways. My Creative Business Incubator course is a 12-week program that teaches the essential foundations to give you clients, creative space, and cash flow so you love and stay in love with your business. If you're a freelancer ready to actually be free or a solo creative and you want to grow without compromising your creative mojo, or sacrificing your sanity, this is for you. If one-on-one is more your style, my Creative Business Insider Coaching is for creatives who have been in business for a little while and now you're ready to start doing bigger and better. We work together to take back control of your creativity, your time and your finances so you can craft a business that serves you, not one that you're a slave to. And if you're a business owner with big brand ambitions, you can join me for bespoke brand strategy creation to give you the brand everyone else wishes they had. Head on over to my website for more info. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Red Productions on Pixabay. <laughs>